0: We get Metho Pentecostal from time to time up in this piece, and I love it. I really do love it. Um, I'll tell you, you know, um, I know sometimes church space can be used to kind of like manipulate um, emotions. And um, please know that that is not what is the the hope here, like that we have to manufacture experiences. But I do think that there's something to be said about leaving enough space uh, for the supernatural that we come into this place, um, anticipating that something happens. I don't just sing because I think, well, this is nice and I need to like fight middle C. It's like, no, I, I actually think things are going to happen. We don't know what's going on in people's lives in this space and place. So, you know, the best I can do is hope that this God that we speak about, we actually believe that God is going to, um, uh, God's power will will be made manifest in this place. So you do good worshipful work. Um, We do good worshipful work and that we might always just keep a little bit of hope, a little bit of sliver that what we do in this space is not just like any other thing, that something really beautiful um, happens in this place, in this space. So this morning, um, as Kiana shared, we have been moving through um, the book of Genesis, and one of the things that we have um, kind of uncovered is that many of the stories and scriptures, though they are not proscriptive, you know, they're not like, go and stone somebody, um, uh, some of these passages of scripture really do uncover just the ways and aspects and characteristics of humanity and human life For instance, like last week, we talked about the complexity of families as we saw this kind of like back and forth between Jacob and Esau and also to even Isaac and Rebekah as parents. There are also times when these passages of Scripture um, in Genesis in the the family of Abraham might speak to an aspect of our relationship with God or even um, what it might look like to lean into our faith, Um, or what our faith lives might look like, and not only in the ways where we feel close to God, but sometimes in the ways in which we have back and forths with God, where faith can really stretch us. What does it look like to trust and to believe that God is good? And so, while we saw this kind of human struggle between Jacob and Esau, um, we also get to sometimes glimpse these human engagements with God. Sarah does what with God? laughs at God. Abraham tries to outsmart God. In Exodus, um, when we kind of veered off from Genesis, Moses cooperates with God. Jacob gets in front of God. And again, while all scripture is not proscriptive, there can be dynamics that we can glean about the ways in which humankind also relates to the divine. So I'm going to read a passage of scripture, but before um, I do, I want to kind of set it up. So last week we learned that Jacob and Esau, they are twin brothers, and Jacob, ooh wee, Jacob is a shady little something. And Jacob steals, um, or basically barters for his brother's birthright, and then also steals a blessing from his father that was due to his brother. Um, their relationship gets kind of uh, heated in, t- to the point that Esau says, <laughs> once my daddy dies and after I have grieved, I'm going to kill my brother. Like literally says that, I am going to end my brother's life. And so Jacob is now on the run. Um, he has been on the run for most of his life, realizing that he has done wrong. He has done dirty to his brother. And now the, uh, the situation between Jacob um, and Esau, it feels like it's about to escalate. Because Jacob catches wind that his brother is coming to meet him. But Esau's not coming by himself. Esau is bringing 400 men with him. Now, if you caught wind that your sibling is coming to meet you, but they're bringing 400 others with them, do you think it's to throw a party? (laughs) Or if there's going to be some furniture moving? So Jacob is now in this predicament where um, he is feeling like his life decisions have caught up with him. I mean Jacob probably recognizes that his brother has every right to kind of come with that kind of energy and here is the night when Jacob has to sit with himself about what might ensue so in Genesis chapter 32 beginning with the 22nd verse it says this the same night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. Um, Jabbok sounds like what? Jacob. And it's a play on their names. The Jabbok means like wrestled river, and Jacob is one who is also the supplanter, always trying to take somebody down. So you can see the beautiful like imagery within the scripture. He took them and sent them across the stream and likewise everything that he had. Then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Now I want to stop here because... um, this is what we call theophany. It says that a man has been wrestling with Jacob, but now we recognize that it's actually God who has been wrestling with Jacob. Anytime God comes in a particular form, a burning bush, um, um, uh, a wind, in uh, some other form that, uh, that is like couched in like a inanimate object or something that does not seem divine, it's what we call theophany. So that ordinary items now have like this divine, this divine sense. Then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. And I'll also say this, the reason why uh, Jacob is wanting this uh, skirmish to be over before daybreak is that uh, in middle near Eastern cultures, it was believed that if you saw God's face, you would not live. And so if the sun is coming up, then Jacob is going to be able to see God's face. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the thigh muscle that is on the hip socket because he struck Jacob on the hip socket at the thigh muscle. I love all of these details, but again, it reminds us uh, within the Jewish tradition why there are particular practices that are still kept and that the scriptures help to confirm those things. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jacob has the fight of his life, wrestling with God at the Jabbok. Um, I need you to know, this confession is that when I was younger, I was obsessed with WWF wrestling. <laughs> if you asked on this day, uh, who, who broke Hulk Hogan's ribs, I would be able to tell you and make a lot of money on Jeopardy! It was Bam Bam Bigelow. I would watch Summer Slams. I would um, like reenact moves with my brother. I was absolutely obsessed. It makes no sense because I was a very small child. I do not believe in getting into skirmishes with people because I don't. I don't bring that energy, people. I just don't bring that energy. Um, but I absolutely, I absolutely loved it. And when I think a bit about why I probably loved wrestling so much, is that wrestlers. Um, They look like they are embroiled in real battles, but the battles are actually really safe. Wrestlers choreograph their moves. I go to the right, you go to the left. When I pick you up, you move to the right. There is something about a predictable battle that makes it really easy to watch, because you know that in the end, it's going to be tied up with a very nice bow which is not like the wrestling that many of us have had to do in our own lives. (laughs) Their wrestling doesn't cost much of anyone in the battle. No new names are given. No lives are changed. No signs are ever left on the body of what they had to go through. They don't do the kind of wrestling where it might not be the hip socket, but it might be the heart or it might be the life that shows something of clinging to life or clinging to hope. Jacob has the fight of his life. And some of you, when you're hearing this particular passage read, you think to yourself, Oh my gosh, I know what it's like to fight and to wonder, will I make it to daybreak? to have the kind of wrestling battles in life when you're wondering about your vocation, should you stay or should you go. Wrestling when you're trying to keep your family members together. Wrestling when you're really literally trying to be at home in yourself because of a diagnosis or something that you are going through. Wrestling when it feels like all of your relationships are so fragile and so frail. Sometimes we wrestle with ourselves. We look at ourselves in the mirror and we feel so unrecognizable in certain seasons. When we know that there's certain things we need to let go of or certain things that we need to hold on to, and we just don't know if we have it. Oh gosh, friends, and then think of the times when you've had to wrestle with God. Over and over again in 2020, in particular, people would say, I just don't know where is this God who felt so near to me in 2019, where is this God that we said, God is good all the time and all the time God is good, but where is this God? When we go back and forth with God, trying to trust, trying to believe, people telling us all of these platitudes of what we need to hold on to with God and we're wondering why can I not feel it or touch it or experience this in my life? When we have our own wrestling matches, we can feel it deep that choreographed fighting pales in comparison to sometimes what life will bring us. Maybe more like Jacob, the fights of our lives take us off guard. Jacob didn't go to bed that night like, let me get ready to rumble. It says that all of a sudden, he gets taken down. Now, I I want to believe that, you know, when we get still and we actually quiet ourselves, that's sometimes when we're like, oh goodness. For the first two months um, of shelter in place, so many individuals within our community had that moment because for the first time in their lives, they could not distract themselves anymore. They got real still, and all of a sudden, it's like, my life is catching up to me. And now, all of a sudden, Jacob is taken off guard. I think we can understand what that might feel like. And yet, I want to say, even in the midst of this battle, in the midst of this wrestling, of the divine taking Jacob off guard, there's something beautiful with Jacob's encounter with the divine. Because even though we don't know how the situation is going to play out, it doesn't, uh, doesn't say like, oh, for five hours it seems like the, the, the divine is winning and then for four hours it looks like Jacob is winning. It just simply says that Jacob is fighting for his life. And that this, uh, this skirmish with the divine is going in such a way that like Jacob is like, listen here, <laughs> have you seen how I have lived my life up to this point? have you seen what lengths I will go to to get what I want? (laughs) And as this moment of wrestling um, endures, the divine recognizes that, oh, Jacob is not going to let go. And then Jacob... um, Gets touched by God. Then Jacob gets a new name from God. Then Jacob wakes up after this skirmish and moves and walks into new life because of the wrestling. After a season of Jacob scoundreling his way through life, of being on the run, of now being caught off guard by God. Even though it is wrestling, it is still God who creates the heavens and the earth. This God who names God's self, even by mentioning Jacob in the lineage, who draws near to Jacob. And this God who draws near to Jacob, as the main character always being found in all of these moments in Genesis, is a God who is good. So in the midst of the wrestling, Jacob has the nerve to say, God, I will not let you go until you bless me. In the crying, I will not let you go until you bless me. In the uncertainty, I will not let you go until you bless me. With the unknowns, I will not let you go until you bless me. When it's all falling apart, I will not let you go until you bless me. Sometimes when we are not quite sure how the battle's going to go, I'm like, listen here, Lord, I'm holding onto your leg and I'm not letting go. I'm holding onto your heart and I'm not letting go. And God, if you even have to hold on to me, I'm not letting go because this is what I know of a God who is good. A God who is good cannot harm. But even in the midst of the wrestling, God was good to Jacob. You can laugh in God's face like Sarah and receive a child of laughter. You can try and outsmart God like Abraham and still become a father of nations. You can steal a blessing, Jacob, and still be conferred a blessing, and a new name, and a new life. God's exchange rate is better. Now that doesn't mean go out and be just crazy wild janky. But it does mean that maybe we can open ourselves to holding on to a God even when we're in the midst of battles and keeping a sliver of hope and trust that God is good, that we can have the nerve to say to God, I will not let you go. I will not let you go until you bless me.